Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. I'd like to welcome you all to the 15th episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. Uh, I'm your host, Brad Long, and I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a good week to uh, tune in because we have, uh, this week, we are going to talk tarpon. I know I kind of get a hard time from my buddies because this is something that I talk about a lot, but it's actually uh, timely in reference now because... There are some tarpon moving through the beaches in the panhandle, and it's just going to increase, and there's going to be more and more fish show up. People are going to begin targeting them in the panhandle, um, as you'll learn from basically now. So let's say late May, mid-May, early June, uh, through the month of June, all the way to uh, the end of July. And so we're kind of entering that world where uh, people are going to start fishing for them, myself included, and uh, all of our guides enjoy fishing for them, and they all have their own tactics, their own ways, and their own uh, their own methods of going after them. So it's a very informative show, and so I think you'll enjoy it. So, you know, we'll just jump right in. Uh, first up, we're going to talk to Captain Justin Leak, and uh, Captain Justin, um, his the logo for, for, for the Panama City Inshore Group is a tarpon. So that, that tells you where his head's at. And we've talked about it a little bit before, but uh, he's, you know, he's a person that that's something he loves to fish for and loves to catch, and uh, and I agree with him. And so we're going to dive in and talk to him first. So, Captain Justin, how you been? Pretty good, Brad. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great, man. So uh, so the weather's been a little bit dicey the last, I guess, <laughs> since we – well, it's been a few weeks since we talked. But it's, so it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's definitely been dicey. So um, what have you been doing? I know you've been able to get out a little bit. Um, yeah, this is no doubt my favorite time of year. Yeah. Um, you know, the the bait shows up, the reef fishing's good, the bay fishing's good, everything's good. Um, but we add something this time of year and that's the tarpon. Yep. And you know, anybody that knows me well or has watched me on TV knows that I, I have a certain level of excitement for everything else and then I have a next level for tarpon. I am the same way. And and, <laughs> and I and I'm not on TV, but everybody that's listened to this, I've had friends that made fun oh, of yeah. me. Because last week's podcast, he's like, every time I turned around, you were saying something about tarpon. He's like, will you stop? But I'm, I'm <laughs> no. like, I'm, no, I'm not, because this is the time to be talking about it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, and there, there's a bunch of reasons for it. Uh, certainly, I love to sight fish, uh, which is how we tarpon fish. So you take that box. They're huge. Um, they're, uh, you know, really acrobatic. So you can check that box. Um, they're really smart and quirky, and they're hard to get to bite, yeah. which means that a lot of people can't catch them, and that adds a level of, of you know, kind of just excitement to it because, you know, you're doing something that not a lot of other people can do. Yeah. And we like, you know, I don't know why as humans, it, it, that makes sense a lot of times, but we like to accomplish things that are difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for and sure. That's, that's definitely one of them. Um, so you have that. You can check that box. You know, they, they made this migration a lot. You know, some of these tarpon that we catch are, are older than we are. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of just something else cool. So when you add up, like, all the cool factor of tarpon, yep. like, they check every box. Um, you know, and then for us in the panhandle, um, they're only here for a few months of the year. So, yeah. so that adds, you know, anytime we have – certain dates or, or a certain type of, of of you know weather pattern that we're looking for that adds another level of of interest because you can't do it every like red fish i mean i love red fishing but as much as i love it i can do it 
any day of the year. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's some novelty and to chase. That is, man. There's just so there's so many different things that tie into it that make it the coolest, craziest, most exciting fish to chase. Yeah, and you know something about tarpon that I find just crazy interesting is they're they're so evolved. I mean, yeah. they, you know, over millions of years, I mean, you know, tarpon roll because they have lung cells and they actually can take in oxygen by That's rolling. Right. And, I mean, yeah, they, they use that. their swim bladder kind of like a lung, you know, yeah. and there are some other fish like a freshwater gar, I think, can do it. Um, there's a few fish that are adapted to, to you know, all, most fish have a swim bladder, but most of the time that swim bladder, they fill with air or let air out. Right. Um, just to control their buoyancy. But, yeah, the tarpon will take a big gulp into that swim bladder and actually hold that air, you know, and, and absorb it, yep. absorb the oxygen from it and use that during a fight. Yeah, which um, is crazy. I mean, just think about what you just said. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then and it also explains how they live in such funky water way oh, down, yeah. down south in these little canals and stuff because yep. – they don't need as much, you know, oxygen in the water as, as other fish. So they can kind of thrive in these weird little areas that others might not be able to. Yeah. And I can tell you, you know, there's something to be said about that because I've, I've caught them in all those different scenarios from, you know, 95 degree black and just, you yeah. know, just stagnant water, you know, up to like our fish on the beach. It's, it's typically in the low eighties. It's crystal clear water, real high salinity, high oxygen. Um, and the fight, if you took a 100-pound tarpon and you put them on our beach and then you took that same fish and put them in the, uh, a back little pocket somewhere in that hot, stagnant water, the fight is completely different. Those beach fish are full of energy. They're going to make those crazy long runs, jump like crazy. And and I've caught fish in, in less than 10 minutes, you know, over 100 pounds in that dark, you know, hot, stagnant water like that. Yeah. You know, come up and gulp a couple of times and jump a couple of times, and they're like, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the beach fish don't work that way. No. No, they're, they're in that perfect environment where, where everything is just how they want it, and they can really, you know, put on a show and, and definitely melt some drag down. Yeah. So speaking of that, what is your – preferred method and what i mean by that is live bait uh artificials yeah. or, or how do you if if you're going out and you're saying today's the day i'm gonna fish yep. for tarpon and i'm gonna catch one what are you doing well it depends if i'm on a charter or by myself if i'm by myself and it's a nice day i'm gonna fly fish them the yeah. first tarpon i ever caught in my life was on the fly um, I would say the first 20 or so, maybe even more than that, were on the fly. Really? Um, so I kind of cut my teeth in the tarpon fishing world, just fly fishing them. Now, given that's when I was working on another boat, yeah. and and we were not, um, you know, it was more offshore stuff. And so that's what I did for my fun. And, right. and so I was on my own time schedule. You know, if I went out there and didn't hook one one day, that was fine. Yep. And then moving into the, the charter side of it, um, you know, I've definitely started spin fishing them more. We fish salt plastics a lot. We fish live bait a lot. And basically all that does is just create more scenarios. Uh, we have a, a big, a larger casting range. Yeah. Um, so it provides a lot of hookups, you know, on most days we're getting, you know, I hate to put numbers on it, but you know, good numbers of hookups. Yeah. But the conditions are everything. Yeah. If, I mean, we can be, you know, I like to say the, the first week of the July, like 4th of July weekend, is the peak of our migration. Okay. Um, you know, 
all of June, it gets better and better and better. Right around 4th of July, it seems to be like peaked out. And then July, you know, it's still good, but it just continuously tapers off. Right. Kind of making its way towards early August. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our, our migration right there. But within that migration, you're going to have days where you have a really heavy flow of fish. Um, you know, and it's usually those nice days where visibility is really good. The water's clear. It's calm. We want those chamber of commerce kind of days because... Yep. The, the more area we can see, the more fish we're going to be able to see. And tarpon and then, seem to be remarkably happy on oh, those yeah. mega hot, oh, mega yeah. calm, mega sticky. Like when we're the yeah. most miserable, yeah. they're the happiest. And they're rolling and they're just eating everything. And that, that yeah. seems to be the time that they love it. That and daylight. Yeah, you know, and, and that's true. And I think the reason is they're so smart. I think they're happy because they can see really good. They can kind of, they're aware of their surroundings. And that makes them happy, you know. They're uh, yep. They're they're just a smart fish, and when the water's dirty and it's rough, you know, you'll see them come up and roll and go down real fast. And those fish, you know, I think they're a little sketchy. They don't know if there's a shark, you know, trailing them or. Yep. Um, they're just not comfortable, and and a comfortable tarpon definitely is a lot easier to get to bite. Oh yeah. Than than those sketchy fish like that. But yep. so your question earlier, which is a great question, was, you know, what what's your method to catch them as far as fly, spin, lures, bait? And I use all of them because there's a really simple uh, equation I'm trying to solve. And, and when you solve that equation is when you get tarpon to bite consistently. Right. And that equation is making it really easy for the tarpon to bite. Yeah. So what I mean by that is, let's say I'm fly fishing. Well, if, if the fish are riding four or five feet down, they're just really not wanting to float on the surface, and I'm fishing a fly on the surface, you might get one to come up and bite it, but it's going to be hard. Right. Same thing goes with the lure. You know, I use a variety of lures. Um, probably my number one is the uh, DOA Bait Buster. Okay. And, and the DOA Bait Buster I use is the trolling model. Okay. Um, has a little bit of lead, but it's still, you know, when you're just steady reeling it, you can keep it pretty high in the water. So that's probably the most versatile uh, of those. Okay. And in everything I throw, I like light colors, basically white. I like white lures. I like white flies. Um, you know, the, the probably my most used color is actually glow, which is really just white, just has a tiny little bit of a light green to it. You know, it's yeah. like glow in the dark material. Yeah, but the reason I like those is because I can see them in the water good. Yeah, and you know it, it that seems to translate for anything that's on the beach. I mean, you know, redfish. Any, I mean, yeah. If there's one thing I've learned through doing this podcast is the paler colors like that yeah. on a beach Light fish, colors. whether it's a pink or a white or sure. some combination, that's the way yep. to go. It just looks more natural. You yeah, know? And things that look natural are going to get bit. Right. Um, but it, back to the you know. All right, trying to break down how to make a tarpon bite. I love comparing a tarpon to an alligator. Okay. <laughs> because they feed the exact same. You've never seen an alligator just take off across a pond and go chase down something and run up on the bank and grab it. Right. You know, they lay still and they just lay there all day. Yep. You know, they might ease up to the a bank where there's a, some rabbits feeding or something on the edge of the water. Right. But everything they do is very calm and still and they just kind of chill yep. until that prey gets close enough where they know they can get it and then they explode 
And to me, that's exactly what a tarpon does is, is they're migrating down the beach. They're floating along. They're not going to swim out of line and go chase something. down. They're lazy. Right. I mean, I mean, it works for them. That's why they live so long. Yeah. So, so that, you know, they're not going to go chase something down. So if you throw a swim bait and you twitch it and you burn it, that looks like something hard to catch. Right. So no matter if it's a live bait, a lure or a fly, if you can see a string of fish and they're not spooked and you can work something very slowly, very boringly, you know, I don't want to fly that's just, you know, real fast. I just want to kind of slow, steady swim yeah. and basically let that fish come up to it and run into it. He thinks he snuck up on it. Yeah. You know, he saw that fly sitting there just suspended in the water, barely moving along. And he kind of creeps up behind it, starts to track it. And then he's going to explode on it because if you can make that fish create that situation where the fish thinks that he snuck up on it, he's going to bite it. That makes sense. And you know, uh, I think they, they are, especially in this pattern that they're in as they migrate the, the, excuse me, the primary goal of what's happening is the migration. Feeding is, is because they have to do it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like when you take a long trip, you got to hit the drive-through at some point yeah, on the right. way. You don't want to. I mean, you're yeah. trying to get to where you're going, but yeah. Yeah, it's part of the process. And and to me, it kind of works in in sort of like that, where it's it's going to be an opportunistic thing. It's like, okay, well, yeah. there's something I can eat. I'm still moving forward. Boom, I'm going to eat that and keep That's on right. going where I'm going. And uh, That's and that may change in places where they're resident. I mean, it surely yeah. it does oh, change. Yes, sir. Yeah, but for us, yeah, you know, and we have very few resident fish here, so so ninety something percent of the time, that's the scenario we're trying to create. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me based off of what I know about what's happening with you know them going where they're going. Yeah, you know, you got to make it easy because they're not into let me pull off this exit and hang out for the day and, yeah. and eat. You know what I mean? Just like we're not when we're driving down the interstate. Exactly. They just want to. It, opportunity presents itself they take advantage of it and, and keep keep yeah. on trucking you know yeah so so a lot of the answers as far as retrieve and, and lure speed fly speed all those things can be answered with you know like how fast do i retrieve, retrieve a lure or a fly well how fast is the tarpon moving yeah because you want to move it just a hair slower than he is so when he's swimming up behind it you want him to gain on it yeah you don't want him to have to work to chase it down but you also don't want it to sit still and he just runs right by it Right. So you want to work it just a little slower than the fish is moving. And then as far as the lures that we use, um, you know, we use some that ride right on the surface. We use some that uh, swim a little deeper. And those are just going to change from time to time in each situation, depending on where the fish are riding. Yeah. You know, if so, the fish are riding high, I want something really light that's going to stay high. So you're making that decision based based on the the where they are in the water column. So That's if they right. if no, they're no. if they're not if they're not riding high, let's say, then yeah. you know uh, something that would suspend up in the water column is not going to make sense because you're not going to get them to swim up. You know, let's say eight feet to eat no, whatever they, it is. No, not that far. Yeah, but I will say so. I always like to try to get close in the water column to where the fish are, but I always want to err on the side of the lure being above the fish because right. a tarpon loves to float up to a lure and bite it they won't ever sink and go down to to bite you know their mouth faces up and i right. think they're used to just sipping stuff off the surface yeah um, that makes sense but but like you said if you're in 10 foot of water and the fish are eight feet down 
they're not going to rise eight feet up and, and bite on the surface. Now, if that fish is riding eight feet down and you're swimming a, a swim bait six feet down, it'll probably get bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you def- I could. that makes sense, um, airing on the side of being kind of above them just because of the way they're going to see it. Yeah, you know? yeah, and the way they're designed to feed. Yeah, they're they're I mean, designed to eat things above them. Yeah, so is there a uh, a live bait option? What do you do on the live bait side? Yeah, there is. You know what's funny, though? Um, you know, we catch them on live baits, and they will bite a live bait just fine. Um, a live bait's one of those things to me. It kind of helps if you're really not experienced with, you know, fishing lures for them. Um, you know, our live bait options, a, a big pilchard is great. Um, threadfin herring, cigar minnows. Um, I think they'll bite pretty much, you know, I'm sure a mullet. Um, I think they'll bite pretty much any live bait. Again, it's about creating that opportunity. Yeah. I don't think one bait is necessarily better than the other. Um, you know, if you see a water tarpon swimming down the beach and you just throw a bait out there and you hope they go find it, you may get lucky and they just kind of, you know, a fish happens to run right into it. Right. But you're to me, I feel like I'm almost at an advantage when I'm fishing. If I have the rod in my hand, and again, I don't, I don't cast for my clients on the boat. You know, some guides do that where they throw out there, they get the hook up, and then hand the rod down out of the tower. I don't do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I want people to experience that bite, those first jumps, and all that. Right. Um, so you know, it, it might take a little extra work, but I'm going to teach that process um, so that people can can have the the whole experience, but. So let's go to where if I have the rod in my hand, okay, I would rather have a swim bait than any lure out there or any bait out there yeah. because it's easier for me to create that intersection where the fish is swimming, my bait's swimming, and he runs into it. And yeah. that intersection where, where the bait and the fish cross, if you can create that scenario consistently, you're going to get a lot of bites. Yeah. Now, with the live bait, you can get it close to there, but the bait's going to kind of ease off to one side or swim down or... You know, right. And, and, and a lot of times I think that fish goes, eh, that looks like too much work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. So yeah, probably any live bait would work. Um, but guess again, it's the same thing. They're not just going to go bite it. So creating that, that intersection where the fish and the bait meet and you make it easy for him to bite it. Um, it's going to be the most important part rather than if you're throwing a pin fish or a mullet. Right. And, you know, it makes sense to me that a swim bait would be the choice there because you can speed it up and lift it in the column. You can let exactly. it drop. You can, I mean, you can do all kinds of things to alter yeah. where it goes without recasting or having to do something yes. crazy. And, and those big ones cast a mile, too, which is oh, helpful. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And another thing with a swim bait, don't twitch it. You know, like, you would think you would want to get them excited and work it. Right. The more boring and dull the retrieve, the better the bite. Really? Yeah. I mean, again, you want that fish to think this bait is really easy to get. This is going to be an easy catch. Yeah. Isn't that something? Cause, cause <laughs> a, a fi- because a fish that goes as crazy as a tarpon goes from the minute you set the hook until you until you just wear them out and get them to the boat or they, yeah. they get off, you would think that additional action like that would, would kind of, like you just said, kind of fire them up a little bit. Yeah. But again, that's yeah. the ultimate goal in their whole mentality as they come through our part of the world is not eating, not all that. It's just going where they're going. Yeah, it's the instinctual drive that they've had for millions of years yeah. that are and you know 
you just it makes perfect sense what you're saying and uh they, they're looking for an easy meal and if you make a lure look like it might be hard to get that's not an easy meal it's like you were saying going through mcdonald's it, it, you know if there's 100 people in line you just keep on you know you go to the next gas yeah. station or the next in the next fast food restaurant i do it all the time <laughs> yeah and all so you you want to make it look like it's going to be a really easy process I mean, if fish is swimming, there's something to eat. It's not trying to get away. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense. And They're lazy. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's interesting, man. So that's a you know that's a great breakdown of um, of the artificials. And, and I say that because we've talked to I've talked to Lionel about it, and he has some opinions and on you know he's a bait guy for stuff like this, yeah. and Brant is as well. And so it's a nice, you know, a nice way to get a perspective of, of, uh, of using an artificial and kind of how to, how to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, tell us how we can get a hold of you. There's a lot. Of, I mean, tarpon's one part of it. We got red snapper that's going to open up. Um, yeah. At the end of this week, and then, you know, the weekend's going to be nice and uh, and very busy. I'm sure. So tell us how the listeners can get a hold of you guys to come chase tarpon, come get some snapper for dinner or, or whatever, you know, is going on down there. Yeah, certainly jump online and go to Panama city com, And you'll see a list of all of our guides on there. You'll see a lot of us, uh, you know, have that little tarpon stuff by our name. We can't, we kind of list out each guide, what they specialize in, but you know, we got a few of our guides that pretty much tarpon fish exclusively this time of year. Um, so you want to see see one of these big fish jump out of the water and give us a shout we'll, we'll get you on them that's awesome and real quick i forgot all about it yeah tell me about this hand line in the goliath grouper <laughs> oh gosh i thought we were gonna skip that till next, uh, next you know week, what if, uh, if you want to let's do that that's fine because because i think that's probably a story that is going to take yeah, longer than a couple minutes it is okay so, hey, we'll give, give them a little teaser so so a couple weeks ago i was talking about these goliaths man they were stealing all our fish so we, we just couldn't hardly wrestle a fish past them um so i think i even said in that episode that i had made this hand line and I was going to give it a try. So, obviously, if there's some stories to tell about it, we've had some success and some failures. Okay. So, at this point, as of right now, how many have you caught since you told us about that? Because that was two weeks ago. Landed two of them. Two of them. So, we've only landed two. Yep. We've, we've hooked four. We've actually only tried it twice, though. Now, hang on. Don't say only landed two. Because now, yeah. now tell us. <laughs> give us a ballpark of the size. Yeah, I, I shared it. Step by step. So, so one of them that we landed, and we these are measured uh, weights, so it's illegal to pull these fish out of the water. Right. We catch them. Um, I've had anglers jump in the water with the fish, uh, but we, uh, you know, we we do measure them, and we use a formula to calculate um, an, a weight estimate, which I think is actually pretty close. Yeah. So these I'll... aren't just guesses. You know, I mean, people love to take a guess, and normally they overestimate things by a lot. Right, but, but one of them that we taped out was three hundred, and and the other one was four twenty five. Wow! So you're you're handlining this. Okay, right. so let's stop right there. No more yeah. details. <laughs> two two have been landed. I shared a picture of of one of them, the first one you did right after yeah. we talked, and you were in the water with it, and I'm like, what? Like I thought you were th- you were saying kind of like, oh, one day I'll see if this works or whatever. I didn't know you meant like 
the next day you were going to be sharing a picture of this giant fish with you and the I don't either. <laughs> Sometimes it works. Yeah, so it worked. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. I want to hear about this, but I want to be able to spend an adequate amount of time. So yeah, that's a that's a nice teaser. So uh, so we'll catch up with you next week again and, and hear all about this. All right, sounds good, Brad. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking with us, man. And that's some great information on these tarpon. And uh, if you guys want to try to catch them, Justin's your guy in Panama City. So uh, so look him up. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for that update, Captain Justin. And you know something, man? I, I can't recommend enough. If you want to go down there and chase tarpon and you've never done it, you've never tried it, you haven't made the investments in the tackle that you need, uh, or the, even the baits, uh, quite frankly, they're, they're not cheap and they're not free, um, go get with a good guide and get them to put you on these tarpon. Captain Justin Leak is a great guide. All of them at uh, Panama City Inshore would do a fine job. But get up with those guys and uh, and see if they can put you on the tarpon in the Panama City Beach area. And I got to tell you something: if you're able to get out and chase those Goliath grouper uh, on the same the same day that you chase those tarpon, you are going to be a tired, tired fisherman. So that's a great uh, a great idea. Captain Justin knows that fishery, knows how to put those tarpon in the boat. Um, hang on, not in the boat because that is illegal. But he knows how to get them to the boat. And uh, so, you know, you really got to get up with those guys. And that is a, a, a great, a great uh, session on fishing artificials for tarpon because that is a, a primary way of doing it. And it does sound like, you know, to be able to bring those swim baits in and, and sort of on the fly in the moment adjust the speed, adjust the uh, where it's at in the water column, you know, high or low compared to where the fish is. And look, the fish are migrating, but they move. And so, you know, you, you, it's, it's nice to be able to make that adjustment right uh, in the moment and not have to reel in and recast and do some of those things that might jeopardize, you know, whether or not you get hooked up. So that's, uh, that, those are some awesome tips. And I can't thank you enough, Captain Justin, for sharing your knowledge of that fishery and, and maybe putting us on some fish. So if we decide to go out and try this, uh, our odds will go up tremendously. So up next, we're going to talk to Captain Brant Peacher over in Pensacola, Florida. Captain Brandt's going to talk to us. Last week, he talked to us a little bit about uh, some of the baits he prefers and kind of how he goes about that. And we're going to touch on some of that, too, this week. But primarily, we're going to talk about uh, some of the terminal tackle that that he prefers to use. Um, rod size, reel size, um, you know, just sort of how, you know, depending on how you're going to target these tarpon, maybe some of the equipment that you might want to invest in if it's something that you think you want to do year over year. And let me tell you something. Again, I'll stress this. If, if you – if you are, you know, going to try to chase these things, but you're thinking, you know, I just want to try this. I don't want to make all the investments. I don't want, you know, this is not something I'm going to do um, next year. Maybe you're just visiting town or something, you know, this time of year. Get with these gods. They can put you on those fish. And, you know, any of the gods that, that will, will take you um, and go after the tarpon. But, you know, clearly, you know, Captain Brant, Captain Justin, Captain Lionel, these guys know what they're doing in their respective areas. And so, uh, so yeah, be sure to get up with them. But uh, let's get in and, and talk to Captain Brand about some of these, uh, some of his preferences with tackle and sort of how he goes about uh, chasing these uh, these big silver monsters. So, Captain Brand, how are you? Hey, doing great. Awesome, man. So, uh, so we spoke uh, offline, and uh, and because of the weather and and everything going on on the coast, uh, you haven't been able to get out much um, since we talked last. But, uh, yeah. but there's still some information we need to talk about. So, um, we got tarpon season coming up and, uh, or, or the migration and we, we kind of touched on it a little bit last week, but, 
Um, I think I, I kind of want to do a little bit of a deeper dive into into that. Sure. So, what is your uh, rod and reel setup? Now, I'm I'm going to speak in terms of of beach, you know, running the beaches and fishing the the migratory fish. So, what is your setup? Rod reel. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, if I'm boat fishing and I'm looking for uh, looking for tarpon out of a boat, I'm just going to use a big spinning reel, like an eight thousand, you know, eight thousand yeah. size spinning reel. And uh, you know, it's different. It would be different than if I, if I'm fishing a pier, right? Um, but uh, if I'm if I'm boat fishing, I'm going to use a big spinning reel with yeah, you know something around like fifty pound braided line and. Uh, you know, a live, uh, a live bait of some sort, uh, cigar meta LY, something herring, something like that. Right. So what, uh, what pound test leader do you typically use? I mean, if you're, if you're tarpon fishing, I'm going to use a, a 60 pound fluorocarbon leader and even an 80 pound fluorocarbon leader. Um, and the reason why, I mean, man, those, I, I would rather use an 80 than anything just yeah. because uh, I just feel like I've got a lot better chance of landing them with that. But they will, I mean, they're a powerful fish. And after you fight them for 45 minutes, they're going to wear through that leader material. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they have their gill plates are, are sharp. Mm-hmm. And so the line would, would, you know, you think of a fish swimming away from you and then your leader is, you know, the hook's in its mouth and then the leader runs back along their body sometimes. And so that gill plate can become very problematic, sure. you know. Absolutely. And that 80-pound is, is, a, is a good idea. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you have a, uh, a brand preference? And, and look, we're not, you know, I'm not sponsored by anybody, so I don't really, you know, I have multiple brands. But when, if you, and I guess my point is when you Google this, you will hear a million opinions on because tarpon are fast and they're strong and it's going to be a fight. Sure. And and it's going to matter because if your equipment is a little bit lesser than, let's say, um, you're going to find out that day. Yeah, sure. So sure. It, is there a brand that, that you kind of go with for, for that type scenario that you like? A brand for, for what? For Let's say uh, the, the real for now. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean – and when you're boat fishing, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of the, because you can follow the fish around. Right. And so uh, a lot of those, a lot, anything will work, man. I've caught tarpon with a pin, fierce 8,000. I've caught yeah. them with a, you know, uh, and I've caught them with a Shimano Stella. So, right. So, I mean, it's like, which are, those are, reels are two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And so, um, when you're in a boat, it, it doesn't matter as much. You just want, uh, want a big spinning reel that you can pick up real quick and make a, make a good cast to them. Yeah. So. What length rod do you like? Out of a boat. I mean, you could, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Seven and a half to, you know, yeah. seven, eight foot, something so like that. So you don't, that. I mean, so it sounds like it for, for boat fishing but just i mean i guess the the fact that you can follow the fish when it makes these crazy runs or whatever so it does it yeah it doesn't matter yeah when you're boat fishing yeah and so i've even caught them to be honest with you man i've caught them on light tackle before out of a boat i've caught them with uh, four thousand size reels um before just because i could follow them well and if you think about it i mean you know uh, i I like to fly fish as much as i can and, and i've caught tarpon on the fly rod and when you do that, you know, the, those fly reels, as strong as they are, I mean, the, you know, big 12 weights and stuff mm-hmm. that, are, that are built for big fish like that, unless you really get into some big-time money, 
they're not going to be the drag system in in uh, let's call it a, 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 the everyman fly reel um, is not going to even hold a candle to a to any of the spinning reels that you're talking about in that size, right? So sure, it's the it's the sure. ability to be able to follow the fish and, and yeah, kind of, and so so like I would feel comfortable I would feel comfortable being able to catch a big tarpon on a six thousand reel with you know twenty pound braid, twenty five pound braid, thirty pound braid, just because I can follow him around yeah for an hour hour and a half right. So, so is it? So you mentioned, and and it's a great point, and I really didn't think it through enough. But you know, so I guess if you're if you're targeting them out of a boat, then it really comes down to more of your own preference of what you're most comfortable with, what you're most sure. casting yeah. wise, what you're most accurate with, and distance and that kind of stuff. I guess the reason I w- I've used heavier stuff, uh, especially with clients on board, is just so they don't waste their entire trip fighting one fish. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's something to be said for that too because the the tarpon are, are regulated as a sport fish and so i think it's over 40 inches you're not even supposed to lift them out of the right, water correct, correct so yeah. so you're bringing these big fish up boat side and the longer that takes the the less the odds of that fish being healthy and, and living basically correct so if you're using super light tackle and you fight one for three hours he's probably he may not live whereas right. if i'm fighting one with 40 to 50 pound braided line on an 8,000 size spinning reel and a pretty stout rod i can get him to the boat in less than an hour yeah and you know i think so so casting accuracy and you know whatever you're just comfortable with whatever feels good because you're going to need to have some some accurate casting going on and sure and and then you should consider that conservation element even though you're from a you know fishing out of a boat where it kind of doesn't matter, but it's exactly like you you just said. I mean, if you can if you can cut that fight time down, um, then the odds go way up of the fish living, and and that's that's a good thing for everybody. So, um, absolutely. So that's kind of the boat setup. What about a, a a pier? Let's say a pier setup. Gotcha. I mean, so a lot of the really good tarpon fishermen uh, do not use they use bailless spinning reels they use a spinning reel with a manual okay and you're going to want that when you're pier fishing you just can be so much quicker with everything and it's a lot easier um and so they're using stuff like van stalls and 706s and, and stuff like that that do not have a bail on it okay and if you go and and you walk down okaloosa island pier which is one of the best tarpon fishing piers on the coast and you walk to the end of that pier during July, you're going to see every tarpon fisherman fishing these big spinning reels with no bales. And that's wild. I've never thrown a spinning reel with no bale. So yeah. I, I imagine it's you just use your finger to kind of lift it off the little. You do, and yeah. you're way quicker. I actually prefer them. Uh, but I grew up doing it because I grew up pier fishing. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I would probably be the opposite unless I just fell in love with the idea because I've never thrown one, you know. Sure. But sure, I do get the yeah. speed aspect of it because, you know, mm-hmm. you, there is an element of having to get that thing kind of in what feels like the right position. You, you know what I yeah. mean? And and for exactly. your finger. And then, you know, it, it take, takes a few seconds, and sometimes that matters, especially when you're standing next to four or five other dudes that are throwing at the same fish or same group of fish. You sure, know? sure. It, it definitely matters. But it, it's also – it once you get used to it it's easier yeah it makes sense i mean that's uh Mm -hmm. and i even use them out of a boat really just Mm -hmm. for the same thing the the speed of being able to just fire it off huh 
and I'm just used to it, and it's it is easier once you get used to it. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Do do you ever throw artificials for tarpon? Yeah. So so uh, I'll throw big swim baits at them. Okay. They uh, they will eat a swim bait, and now on on Okaloosa Island Pier, that's all they throw at them is swim baits. Yeah. And they hammer swim baits on that pier. Really? Is there a color that seems? I know you've told us before. Anything kind of white is is a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that's that's the best. Yeah, same yeah. rules, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of what makes those swim baits so attractive is the the thump of that tail, and and some sure. some and it's that way with with every even the you know smaller swim bait styles that are out there for for inshore stuff. But there's yep. different brands and they they have a different movement. So. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would suggest pay attention to that and find one that moves in a way that uh, that you like. You know, do you ever throw a, a baited uh, a live bait under a cork? Um, you know, I uh, I have not. Uh, it's not really something that I've I've ever done. I've usually just free lined baits. Yeah. Um, and and that's been most productive. Um, but I know some people do. Yeah, I've seen it, and I've never tried that either. But I've, I'll probably try it this year because I'm curious about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like the concept of, of being able to throw a bait. I know last week you mentioned a bait that's not quite as lively. Um, so so sure. maybe even, a let's say, a dead bait or, or a half-dead bait, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but have a, a balloon or a, a big enough cork to sort of suspend the, that guy. Right it works. You yeah, know, it definitely works. I've seen people on the pier do it. They'll send a balloon out with a, a live bait underneath it. and hook, I mean, they're going to hook up. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I like the idea of it because if you can get a read, you know, just sort of quick math on, okay, I'm, I'm you know, the my, my electronics are telling me I'm in, let's say, 12 feet of water and – you know, those fish are probably holding somewhere in the middle. So six feet, you, you can set that, that balloon or cork at, you know, three feet, four feet, whatever. Sure. And have that thing just sort of dangle just at the right area of the water column because, you know, they, they I think tarpon feed by looking up. So their eyes are placed in a way that sort of allows them to to look up and out. And um, that sort exactly. of put, you know, it just sort of puts it in that area where you know it's going to get seen. May not get eaten, but it's going to get seen. Yeah, sure. I, I just like sure. that, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah. But then at the same time, um, you think of some giant fluorescent orange thing or chartreuse or whatever visible color, and that doesn't seem appealing to me to have it in in, in the right. equation, you know. So it's sort of like, well, you know, then I thought, well, balloon, use a blue balloon, you know, and I'll tell you where it works is it works in the bay. Really? And so a lot of the guys that bay fish for tarpon use balloons. Okay. And, um, you know, it's not as necessary on the beach because you can usually see the fish that you're throwing at. Right. And so it's not really something that you really need. Um, But in the bay, you can't see the fish. And so these guys that are really successful targeting these tarpon in the bay, They'll put out four or five balloons with live baits underneath them, and that's how they catch them. Yeah, and then they just kick back and, and wait for the tarpon to come exactly. to them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's an idea. You know, if you can get yourself in an area um, where, where you know, you, you're going to see them rolling or something. I mean, you're going to find that's some fish. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're going to be fairly happy because if they're rolling, they're, you know, and uh, and 
kind of get yourself in that general vicinity, and rather than than sight casting to them, you just put out kind of a spread of baits and and see what happens. You know. Yep, that is that's the key, man. Is is you want to be if you're going to put out baits like that, you want to know that there's fish in the area. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you you'll probably catch something, but it may may not be a tarpon. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's you know that's very uh, interesting, and I and as I learn more about the the tarpon fishery, kind of up and down the Panhandle, um, I, it just is remarkable to me that that there is some resident fish, and and there is some you know they do come into the bay systems um, to some degree. Now it's not all of them, um, and you and you've really talked a lot about that in the Pensacola area, and and it just it kind of baffles me what you know what would sort of bring them into that area other than food um sure you know it's just it's yeah. wild to me that they come in there and then you know leave or don't leave or do whatever and um yeah it is man and i haven't checked them in a while to see if there's any in there right now like resident fish but yeah. um yeah I've, I've seen them year round in our in our area so yeah and that's just you know it's not something that is uh synonymous with the panhandle and that, that I guess that's what it is. I just haven't, you know, always think it's of it's a South Florida thing. Oh, absolutely. And and so it's uh, may, hey, global warming's got some positives, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's one. It's uh, we're gonna turn that we're we're gonna be catching bonefish and snook and tarpon up here before long. <laughs> the exactly. <we're> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but so, they are, you know, and it's it's not gonna be long. They are seeing. Um, my dad went to the pier the other day and they saw quite a few tarpon coming, uh, migrate, starting to migrate, uh, yeah. down the beaches. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that's why I really wanted to get into this because, you know, if they're already there, then there could already be somebody fishing for them. And, and, you know, the next time I go down there, I'm probably going to try to, to see what I can get into, uh, with, with them. But sure. Have, so have you heard of, so to kind of switch gears a little bit, have you heard yep. of, uh, the red snapper fishery obviously is, is, uh, ready to roll i mean it's uh uh-huh. but you know federal waters has been open i mean if nobody's really been able to get out i would assume but have, has anybody you know been able to go out with the, all this weather um not really no yeah. i had some buddies go out before the right before the storm and obviously there's plenty of red snapper to be caught plenty yeah. of other fish to be caught so I think that'll be an issue, and it does open up Thursday, and, you know, the weather's going to start getting a little better on Thursday. It's looking good Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so I think we may have a decent uh, – it's going to be one to two foot Friday and Saturday, so I think there'll be a lot of people getting out and catching some red snapper. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you it's going to be a busy weekend with the weather being nice like that and the opening of snapper season. And let's be yeah. honest, if it wasn't nice, it would still be busy on the water with snapper season opening up. There's going to be a lot of people going out. Yeah. yeah. But, you know – um. One thing I, I read today, and, and I find it interesting, and I don't know if you've heard anything or, or have, you know, the data available to you or, or maybe somebody you know, but um, someone uh, I saw on social media that uh, the that some blue water had pushed in far closer than normal because of this storm. Um, is that something that you've heard or, or know about? I, I didn't hear that, but I, I – um... I'm actually going to look, uh, when I get home, there's a, there's a chart you can look on. Um, you have to actually pay for it and we, we've paid for it. You can kind of tell where the blue water is right now. Yeah. And so, uh, but it, it has happened in the past. Yeah. So, so so uh, this was a screenshot that I saw and, and this said it was 30 miles, I think. That's that's yeah that we see it out thirty miles a lot. And okay, that's, that's around the edge, and that's the start of the nipple in that area. Okay, so that's what. Well, this was in terms of of Fort Walton Beach. 
So okay, so yeah, which is still some of the edge yeah. in that, that area. Yeah. yeah. So you know, maybe maybe it is pushing in a little closer, and and with some of that uh, being the case, that's going to open a lot of doors too for these folks that run out and, and are offshore. So. Um, sure. It could stack up to be a very interesting weekend, you know, for, if, as far as the, the fisheries are concerned in the Panhandle. because I think it will. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of people getting out. A lot of people are going to see that one to two foot seas, and they're going to they're gonna go catch their snappers, and then they're going to go, they'll probably go hit that blue water if they know it's in, in close. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, man, tell us how to find you, uh, Angler Up with Branch, your YouTube channel. Um I guess I said yeah, I, mean, I guess I said it for you. Yeah, but. There, there you go. Angler up with Brant, the YouTube <laughs> channel, and CaptainBrant.com, uh, my website. Yeah, well, there you go, man. Awesome. I, I forgot to ask you that last week, and so I ended up kind of sticking it in before the fact, and so I guess that's why it's fresh not on my a, mind. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Brant, and, uh, and we'll talk next week. Uh, hopefully, you guys can get out and, and kind of create some some good stories for us to hear next week. Sure, sure thing, Brad. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for that update, Captain Brandt. You know something, man? That is uh, that is a ton of great information that you're giving us on uh, on how to select the tackle and uh, and the rod and reel sizes that uh, is is going to be dependent on not just your preference, but you know the type of fishing you're doing. Because at the end of the day, you know tarpon are not good table fare. Uh, nobody is going to kill these fish and keep them. I mean, I guess if you're if you're chasing world records or, or doing some things like that. And to be honest, even that nowadays you don't have to kill the fish to uh, to register it with the IGFA. So if that's something you're into, uh, you know, go on their website. There's ways to do it where you're not harming the fish. But you know, this allows you to catch those big fish and not uh, and not wear them out to the point that they uh, they swim away and and become you know dinner for for something that's bigger than they are. So you know, that, that's great information, and I can't thank you enough, Captain Brandt. Up next, we're going to talk to Captain Lionel James out of the Destin, Florida area. Captain Lionel is going to tell us a little bit about uh, some some fishing he did uh, prior to the tropical system that moved through the area and kind of created some turbulent uh, turbulent fishing and turbulent seas. And so, uh, you know, he, he he got it on his YouTube channel. He, he, he filmed some videos that uh, shows us that it can be done, and uh, he's going to tell us all about how he does that. And then we're going to hear from him uh, how he likes to chase tarpon in the, uh, the Destin area. So, uh, Captain Lionel, how you been, buddy? Good, good, good. How about yourself? Man, doing great. Um, just wanted to, uh, you know, see this rain go, and uh, I, think, I think it finally <laughs> yeah. has, so that's good. I know you guys especially. Yeah, but I think we need to just stop talking about the weather. Every time I know. We talk about it. It just it's like, you know, yeah, it's it, we're never going to figure that out, are we? Yeah. Yeah. So, were you able to get out uh around the I weather? I did get out one day before all this stuff happened and uh fortunately I got at least to get out and get to to fish a couple of hours. We were very limited in what we would do. Yeah. And I I did a YouTube uh kind of a tutorial-ish, I guess if that's what you want to classify it in, just yeah. to show like before the storm how to get out for a couple hours and, and um to like maximize your time so essentially what we did is we found a public reef we bought a couple dozen shrimp and just you know threw some shrimp down on the bottom yeah everything eats shrimp and we're able to catch uh, several different species from amberjacks to red snappers to vermilion snappers to mango snappers you know yeah um sugar fish and within a couple of hours so it's really one of those things where you you um you save a lot of time 
and the rig is very basic. It's just a two-hook rig, and you get to go out there and just kind of enjoy because we kind of knew that this was our only opportunity for at least, you know, four or five days. So, yeah. you know, take advantage of it while you can instead of like and, – and, and, yes, I could have probably used squid or some other cut bait, but me, I'm very particular about like, well, I only got this much time, so I don't want to waste time cutting right. the squid up cleaning the boat up while I'm out there, you know, yeah. all that stuff. So shrimp, you just put on the hook and drop it down and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, like dethawing or yep. know, the ink splats all over the place. So, uh, it was very, very simple. We got to a public reef and, you know, fishing about 80 feet of uh, water and, you know, everything is shrimp, man. It's pretty, 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 uh, simple. Like yeah. I said. You know, I watched that video actually. And, uh, and so I wonder if, and I, when you were in the video, I saw that you were using live shrimp, and I wondered if do the do the bait fish bother that live shrimp? No, I think there's so much. I mean, yes, here and there, but um, and and the thing that's really particular about the bait fish, let's say ruby redlips is a great bait, but they kind of hang on the bottom layer, you know, where they're we're very protected. So key thing is to like once that weight hits the bottom, I always tell my clients to like come tight really quick, give it about five to 10 cranks, even 15, you know, come up, yeah. come up in the layer, come up 20, 30 feet off the bottom, because that's where a lot of your predator fish are hanging out. Your bigger red snapper, your bigger mangroves, you know, your hammerjacks yeah. hang out between the water in the middle of the water column. Yeah. Makes so sense. if you get to a place where you're catching a lot of bait, just come up a little higher. Yeah. Uh, your cobia, they always, it's, it's, it's always come up, you know, 15 to 25 cranks. You yeah. Know? Um, just so, get it up uh, in the kind away of, from the bait fish. Yeah, yeah like in the middle of yeah, it makes sense. No, uh, yeah, because that's my first inclination as well. I could see that you know something, but, something getting on those shrimp before I before they even get to yeah. You know. I think the biggest problem that you have, I mean, it's the same way with squid. Squid's a, a bait, you know. The biggest problem that you'll have getting the the shrimp or the squid before it hits the bottom is trigger fish because they're so fast and aggressive that you know what I mean. Yeah. And then and if that's the case, you just let it drop and then stop it, uh, you know, way before it hits the bottom. But honestly, I you don't really have. There's so many predator fish down there. It's 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 kind of like a, a bait fish is really going to take a chance of coming up that high to get you know. Yeah. So no, that makes sense, you know. and that's that's a nice tip because uh, you know the times I've gone out, I've just used squid. And I was actually targeting right. trigger fish, but man, I know what you mean. It makes a mess. It makes a mess. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, like I said, I want to be out there just as much as anybody else, and I don't want to waste my time cleaning up. Now, squid does have its place, you know, but in that video, it was just like I had three hours. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that was yeah, that was it. Yeah, got to make so, them count, man. <laughs> absolutely. So, do absolutely. you do you think that um, the fishing was it better or the same or worse? kind of going into that storm system i don't know man because we also had a full moon that day too so uh, i didn't i didn't i thought it was pretty decent for the fact that we had a full moon and you know it was pre-front yeah. you know fish were eating too so i, I think it's going to be really good as soon as we can get back out there's five days of nobody fishing on any of these reefs and uh it's always been said that a storm brings in fish as well. So, yeah. you know, you never know what you're going to bring. And these mostly have been south wind. So maybe it pushes up some grass and some, like, uh, debris, and you, you find some dolphins here up close, you know? Hey, you know something? I saw something earlier this week um, on, on social media, and I actually told Captain Brandt about it and asked him, but it, it's 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 tied more to your area. So um, one of these charts that tracks blue water um, – Mm-hmm. I, I'm not in that world, so I just know they exist, but I don't know how to really read them. But anyway, someone posted on social media that 
this storm had pushed the blue water uh, a lot closer than it normally is. So there's this nice, clean, offshore blue water, and it's closer than normal because of all this crazy storm stuff. So I wonder um, what's what's clo- what is closer than normal. Did he say? Um, I think it said like thirty feet, thirty miles. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And and I don't and see that doesn't mean anything to me other than someone else said it's closer. I mean I have I don't know. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if yeah, if that's the that. case, I mean if it is thirty miles, uh, that's a big deal because all of a sudden now there's a lot of species that are sort of in play. In closer. Yeah, absolutely. For people that normally wouldn't be able to go the whatever it fifty eighty whatever it is you know offshore. To get so, there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that's sort of an immediate thing, but you know, you hear they the fish bite better on the on the you know before the fronts, and of course, I guess uh, uh, you know the only time that I've really had a hard time catching fish is I really am a belief that full moon man because yeah, you know every time we would pull up a fish, their belly was full and it was they're pooping out stuff, so clearly they had been eating all night, you know. But um, I just think nothing can like I, I. I don't think you can put a shrimp in front of any fish and how full it is. It's just not, you know, it's not going to eat it, you know? Yeah. And you know, I mean, so, it's it, every animal's that way. I mean, it's just sort of yeah. their, their instincts are like, I'm full, but there's food. So I'm eating it. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. that's just how they operate, Absolutely. you know, dogs, Absolutely. dogs do that now. I mean, it's, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I wonder, um, so the full moon causes them to feed at night, but then the front makes them feed. So. Yeah, that's an odd combination that kind yeah, of came together. Yeah, it really together. is, you know. It yeah. really is. And that's when I don't even, you know, pay too much attention to, to the post-front, pre-front. Yeah. Um, I know there's a big, big um, – I've read a lot of good articles about how high pressure and low pressure affects fish, especially tarpon. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to say too much because I'm not too clear on it, but one of the pressures, you know, kind of expands their belly to where they're not hungry. Really? You know, so – uh, I'll find some more information about that, but the pressure has to, a lot to do with like their um, their appetite. Yeah, um, so it makes sense. Find, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, if you so, you know if you think about it, and and with um, you know a, a big a big storm system like we had, um, even though you know a depression or a tropical storm, and then as you work your way up, you know, when you get into hurricanes and all that stuff, yeah, the, there's significant barometric pressure changes. And Absolutely. all natural things respond to it. I mean, Absolutely. you know, uh, mammals, fish, it doesn't matter. That's sort of the driver that tells them to seek shelter. And, you know, I don't deal with hurricanes as much where I am, but we have tornadoes and stuff sometimes. And, right. And, and you hear stories about some of these major tornadoes that have happened that are sort of outliers. You know, we don't get massive tornadoes all that often. Um, but it's happened a few times. And when you hear people talk about it, they'll talk about – um, you know, before it came to their, their area, you know, their dog started acting real weird and stuff like that. I right. Mean, or their cat got under the bed and it never goes under there. Just stuff like that where you're like, they know, you know, and it's, it's a lot of that, Absolutely. that instinctual, that pressure change. It, it sort of, they know to go hide or leave or whatever, you know, and fish Absolutely. are no different. And, and I mean, probably more so, you know, because they, that, I mean, they're affected. Yeah, because I mean the pressure has to do it it, it. it it changes with the water too, and it puts more pressure or you know decreases the pressure as well in the water. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know tarpon's a big one of those guys where the the biometric pressure affects their bladders and stuff like that. Too. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know. So hopefully, I mean, 
four or five days without the water, they should be in full force right now. I can't wait to. Get, I'm gonna go out tomorrow. At least try to get out tomorrow and yeah. go take a look. Um, just I don't even care how rough it is, just to get outside the house and, and get away from being an adult for the last four days. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. We all need to do that. Yeah. I think, especially yeah. now. But you know, you know yeah. something. Um, you mentioned the the reefs and stuff having a break. Well, boy, that's about to end because yeah, snapper season's <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, but you know, but it's also on a Thursday too, so it won't it won't. You know, you have a couple of days before it gets out on the weekend, and um, there's there, there'll be plenty there. There'll be oh, plenty yeah. there. Yeah, there there there'll be no shortage for sure. Yeah, for but sure. I think the weather's supposed to be decent. Um, from what I what I've been hearing this weekend, so I I would yes, expect sir. this weekend to be, um, action packed on, on the waterways. Oh, for sure, <laughs> so, for sure. Get out early. Get yeah, out early. Yeah, you know? and be get safe, out, man. Get your fish and get out and get off the water. Yeah. You know, so. Last week, uh, Captain Todd Jones was telling us that every year they see you know a bass boat or something that just has yeah. no business. And it's you know swamped or it's getting pulled in or whatever, and it's just like just be smart, man. It's just a red yeah, snapper, for sure. You know, for sure, it's just a fish, I mean, just a fish. So, yeah. so um, I, I want to get into uh, uh, tarpon a little bit, and and the mm-hmm. reason is because you know I think we're right about the time when I mean we've been you guys have been telling us that you know there's some tarpon around, we see them come through, and and not really in the numbers that we expect soon, but they've been around. What, yeah, for sure. what what's what's the timeline in your part of the world i mean we're pretty close well, right you know typically you start to see them towards the end of may and and they start to gather more and more into june so i would say the peak is like the first two weeks of july yeah and then it starts to trickle down so it's just they should be here uh i've had a couple of guys reports to see a couple of pods of 20 or 30 fish Okay. Um, I've caught. I found a pie that was that was. I think it was just a little too early. It had about a hundred fish in it. Oh wow. Um, but I had to go a long way to find those guys too. So yeah, they should. You know, by by like history and they're you know this time of year they're here. But um, you never know with a storm like this they could have held up somewhere and just kind of stayed in protection. Who knows? You know. Yeah. They kind of just pop up and then all of a sudden it's on for about ninety days and then they're gone for another. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah. So, you know, and, yeah. and it's funny because in, in previous weeks, um, it, it seems to be the consensus that, uh, that with these, this, and you and I always somehow get into this weather conversation, but w- with the weather being kind of off, uh, towards the end of May, it sort of, uh, kind of delayed some of this stuff, maybe. Yeah, you know, I pay attention to social media pretty well. So, as far as my, my captains that are, that are guy, friends that guide down south and, you know the the pattern kind of follows and trickles up from Miami and then up the the the, uh, the west coast of Florida. Yeah. And you see these probably being caught in different parts of Florida as you get closer and closer to the area too. So yeah, it's just a matter of time, you know. Oh um, yeah, and see, I I haven't seen anything come out of the Panhandle, and again sure. on no, social media, it, not yet. Yeah, and, me and, either. And it makes me wonder, but everyone's seeing them, but it's just not the numbers that make it a a something you right. really want to target. You know. So hopefully, hopefully, like this is an ex- it'll be an extended. It'll go into all the way through August and stuff like that too. So, yeah, it could. I mean, it know, seems it, maybe it's going to get a little bit of a later start. I mean, this storm and then the the kind of temperature drop off we had for a few days 
kind of stunted Absolutely. things. We had a late, super, super late summer or spring. You yeah. know, it was cold for a while too. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to get out, you know, uh, hopefully the weather stays decent and I'm on the water for the next 21 days straight. And, you know, we can, we can hook one up. Yeah. So what's your preferred way to fish for them? Do you go live bait or artificials? I know you're live bait. Oh, live guy. bait. Yeah. Live bait. Like, if, if clients is always live bait myself, even if I go for a time, uh, I'm going to just throw some live bait because I want to catch one really quickly. Yeah. What's you the know, what's so. the, the primary bait, your go-to live bait? You know, I always just go – I support local businesses. So um, when I get out there, I, I go I go buy a 20 or 40 uh, stack of, of – uh, cigar minnows from the bait guy yeah you could always catch them but you know the ly's will get up in here and they'll start to die off and that'll be a good bait you can just kind of scoop some up and put some in front of them but yeah i think for the first part of the year live bait as far as cigar minnows are great bait yeah and then as the die off of the thread fin started to happen um it's an easy meal for them so you definitely want to use some of those as well yeah so you die off of the thread fin what what do you mean is it a temperature thing you know yeah i don't know what it is with them because you'll come down here in august in late july and it'll you'll just have dead fish all over the beach and it's not a red tide thing yeah you'll have dead you'll have the, the thread fins that are dead on top of the pier or, or on top of the surface of the water i just think that they're the lifespan i, I really don't know i'm just kind of taking an educated guess here and saying the lifespan is not that long yeah or they breed and then they they pass away like salmon do yeah i don't know and i'll tell you this i have no i have no idea you're they're tough to keep alive in a live well or a bait well oh yeah yeah well all right so here's one thing that um a lot of people don't know is that when you're like ly's anything any bait fish outside of cigar minnows you really don't want to touch you want to you want to sabiki them and then dehook them with a dehooker. Yeah. Because the oils on your fingers will kill them. Like they can't be touched. So you don't want to touch them until you're about to put them down for bait. Really? Yep. Well, I know um, there's you know some have reputations for being mega mega sensitive and and it sounds yeah. like the the alewives and and yeah, some of the inshore stuff is too. You know. You don't want to touch them until you're getting ready to use them, man. So you'll you'll if you if you kind of watch how like. Uh, just kind of if you're outside the patch, just kind of watch the the charters and how they you'll see them not they won't touch them. They'll, they'll bring the bait over the live well and they'll use the scooper to or the dehooker to dehook them. It's, it is just for the simple fact that uh, it's a little bit quicker and easier, and a lot your 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 sabiki doesn't get tangled up, and then you don't kill your bait. Yeah. So yeah, it's that, the oils on your fingers and your hands that kills them. Yeah, and you know something, I bet uh, sunblock is is not good either. You know, if yeah, you if you if you get sunblock on your hands or something, and I mean, yeah. with an oil kind of presence, I wonder if uh, that would play yeah. into it. You know, it's not it's not good. But even uh, um, like I'll I'll wash my hands off after I put some on. But it's it's just the oils, the natural oils of your skin. And, yeah, huh. that just kills them off. Whatever. So yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. That's you know? another good tip. I mean, if you're going to go through the effort <laughs> of catching bait, man, you don't want to open Absolutely. the box and have it all you be don't. dead, you know? For sure. For sure. What's a good size uh, alewife that you that you use for tarpon? Oh, I just think the bigger the better. Yeah. I, 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 tarpon is just really... They're just not picky, they're, are they? I mean... Uh, I, they're very, very picky. Well, uh, about... what I mean is if they're hungry... They're not crazy picky. It's getting them to eat and getting them to that point well, is where they become the, picky. It's harping. They have to have it in the right area. They're, they're not going to go out of their way to chase, to chase a bait like like a shark or yeah. a snapper. Or they're not. They're they want it. Tarpon. If you ever watch a tarpon video and how they eat, they always eat feeding up. So you want it, that bait to hover over their over their face versus coming across their body. 
Yeah, um, that makes sense. It's 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 putting the bait in the right spot to where it makes it very very easy for the fish to eat. They just sort um, of keep moving and sort of suck it up, you know. Right, and absolutely. Keep going. They're 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 not gonna. It's very very seldom that you see a tarpon like exert energy to chase a bait. Very very seldom. Yeah. So if if you're tarpon fishing, is very key to try to be. You want that bait to maybe swim down a foot above him. Right. Or you know, to where he's looking up and he wants to eat it too. So. Do you uh, use a cork? Yeah, please, no, no. Okay. I use straight, straight uh, braid to a fluorocarbon leader. Okay. 40, 50 pound test. Uh, that way, if a shark comes, you can break it off really easy so you don't have a dolphin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, then um, I use a pretty, a lot of guys use a five or six hot. So I use a, a two or three hot. Um, and I just got this uh, from fly fishing for them and, and watching the fly guys. They use a very, very small hook for the fly. Uh, so there's no reason to to not use it for um, my leader hook, and it, yeah. it's been working pretty well, you know. Yeah, so. and you know, I, I guess my only advice uh, to the listeners in that respect, because I, I agree with you, I've caught them on fly, and they, and those hooks are not big seven aught, you know. No, they're not. They're and, not. And they're, they're like you said, two three aught. But I think there's also um, the risk of getting those really light wire hooks. You don't want those um, because well, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like. Mustad makes a really good uh, circle hook that's really thick. Um, I, I have to go look at my car. I, have a few. I just bought some more. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that you don't want a super thin hook. Right. Um, you want something that's, that's a powerful fish for sure. Yeah, exactly. So if you're if you know if you're going to shop for for a smaller hook like that, and there's nothing wrong with it, you can catch them just fine. Just make sure you're not getting the light wire. Stuff, right, you know what right, I mean? Because they they make right. those sometimes for specific cases. This is not that scenario where you would want the right, light wire. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, man, you mentioned a video, so tell us how the listeners can find the video and tell us how we can get up with you because there's a lot of things that are between red snapper and tarpon, and then just all the normal stuff that goes on in the summer. People are going to be getting down there, so I want them to yeah, to for know sure, how. for sure, man. You guys could definitely check me out on YouTube at Lionel James Fishing, um, and then if you want to just book a trip, check me out at LionCellAdventures.com, and uh, I'll put you on them for sure. Man, that's awesome, Lionel. Thank you, and thank you for all the tips. Because man, there's some there. There's a lot of good ones in in. in I this gave out episode. all my secrets. Hey, that's it, man. That's it. Hey, or they can just listen to us, right? And and then Absolutely. you know, <laughs> it's not Absolutely. that simple, is it? We make it sound no, so not. easy. It's like, oh, just use no, this hook and go take, get a. <laughs> go out there, fail, fail first, and then you'll like. That's how you get better. So that's it. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Lionel. We'll talk again next week, and hopefully, you'll have a. Uh, a productive weekend and be safe because i know if it's nice it's going to be busy so uh absolutely you know. i appreciate it yeah awesome well thank you buddy yes sir thank you for that update captain lionel and i tell you something man what's crazy to me is you know i i, I talked to to captain justin leak i talked to uh captain brant peacher and i talked to captain lionel james pretty much every week and uh and we talk about some of the you know sometimes there's some overlap and uh and we talk about, you know, a certain subject one week, and then we pick it back up later, you know, a little bit deeper the next week or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, what's what's interesting to me is, um, you know, you heard what Captain Lionel said, and, and it really echoes what Captain Justin said at the top of the show where, you know, these tarpon, and Captain Brandt too, these tarpon feed up, so you don't want to have your bait below them or even, you know, even too far above them because they, they've all three reiterated that they feed in a way that's very lazy. They feed in a way that 
uh, you know, they're they're opportunistic and they're lazy and they're not going to chase down baits. And so you have to put your bait, whether it's a you know an artificial, uh, a live bait, whether how whatever method you've chosen to do. Um, I, from what I am am picking up on, it's more important in the uh, the placement of the bait in relation to the fish versus what the bait actually is. And uh, and I think that's kind of the takeaway we can all have. I mean, we've talked about dead bait that uh, you you literally just scoop out of the water at certain times of the year in the Destin area. We've talked about live bait. Uh, last week, Captain Brandt mentioned that he likes baits that are like half alive, if that makes sense, like something that's not all spunky and crazy because, again, that reiterates this topic that tarpon simply are not going to go out of their way. Now, that is beach migratory tarpon. These are adult fish that are migrating to breed. Now, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, you have this clash of instincts uh, in these scenarios where, you know, they have the feeding instinct, but they also have the instinct to migrate for reproduction. So, you know, one of them is going to win out. And if you can create a scenario where the feeding instinct is so simple and so easy to do, your hookup ratio is going to be a lot better. So, you know, that's great information from Captain Lionel. Uh, he gives us a great report uh, talking about, you know, fishing uh, pre-front. Uh, bad weather, which Lord knows those of us that don't get to pick the days that we're able to go down there, you know, that's that's invaluable information. So go watch his YouTube video and, and kind of see how he does it because, you know, if if, if the, the weekend you got off and you want to go to the coast and do a little fishing, if the weather's not so great, sometimes you still go. And uh, and so, you know, he does a good job of kind of coaching you through how he treats those those kind of iffy weather days. And uh, a lot of good information in there. So, Captain Lionel, thanks for that. And uh, I can't can't thank you enough. And that's our show for this week, man. And you know something? It's uh, it's been a good show. It's episode fifteen. That's fifteen weeks of uh, of of my voice, uh, for for better or worse. And uh, most importantly, it's fifteen weeks of invaluable information uh, from from Captain Justin Leak, Captain Brant Peacher. Captain Lionel James, Captain Todd Jones on the offshore stuff. These these guys know what they're doing, and and really, I you know I can't thank them enough for their input, and uh, let's say their tolerance of uh, of some of my stupid questions. But you know, I, I feel like it's things that we all need to know, and sometimes uh, I know the answer when I ask something. It, it's it's just that I want to see if I'm right with what I think is right, you know. And sometimes I don't know. It, it just depends, but. You know, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I'd really appreciate it if you would uh, share the, the podcast with a friend. Uh, if you got a friend that, that, that fishes or, or is into this kind of thing and fishes in the panhandle, then, you know, they might really uh, they might really benefit from the information that we share here. And on top of that, you know, if you subscribe, you're not going to miss anything. I mean, you're not going to miss a week, and that's that's the idea here. The idea here is that week over week, you know, whether the, the fishing's great or, you know, like last week, we had uh, Tropical Storm Cristobal show up and decide that uh, that nobody was, you know, going to get out over the weekend because the seas were just crazy and the tides are crazy. And, and so, you know, we have weeks like that, and that's part of this deal. And that's okay because there's still things we can learn. We can still look ahead and say, well, you know, there's tarpon season, and uh, and so let's all kind of have a roundtable discussion about – about how you guys do that and uh, and the different methods and your preferred methods and 
you know, it can only help us as fishermen and, and you know, the listeners. And so um, I really appreciate you joining us. And the best way to do it is to subscribe that way that, uh, you, you know, you can stay on top of these trends and, uh, and these different uh, seasons that we're kind of moving through as the year goes on. So thank you. I hope you'll tune in again next week. We got some great things coming up. We're going to hear about handline and Goliath groupers again. Are you kidding me? But it's done. Uh, so check social media. There's pictures there on our Facebook page and Instagram pages. And uh, I just can't thank you enough. Hope to see you again next week. Thanks.